Good morning. Seven past the hour at Faith Radio. I'm Bill Meyer. He is a business consultant with a uniquely Christian worldview. He's Bill English of BibleandBusiness.com, and he's here to offer us a bit of his wit and wisdom this morning. Good morning, Bill. Hey, how are you? I'm waking up. You so are. I'm, I'm, you know, <laughs> Rebecca and I both are having our coffee. We're getting there. You know, uh, second hour of your show. You should be waking uh, well, thank, up by now. Thank right? you. Well, I... <laughs> Lack of sleep, but sleep deprivation. Yes. Hey, uh, now I should mention, in, hey. in addition to being a business consultant, yeah. an adjunct faculty member at the University of Northwestern St. Paul, yeah. you have a new role as an interim CEO for a family-owned business, and I'm wondering, what has that experience been like for you thus far? It's really been fabulous. It's a $23 million, manu- not manufacturing, but uh, distribution company here in the Twin Cities, and it's really been great. I love leading an organization. I love teaching, I love preaching, but I love leading an organization, too. And so I'm having really a lot of fun at it. Now, it's a family-owned business. It is. And those things come with their own unique challenges. You, But you've consulted other family-owned businesses before. We have. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah we've, we've consulted a lot of uh, other family-owned businesses. And uh, this one is not uncommon in terms of the strength of the uh, problems that they face. Uh, but every, every family is a little bit unique in the in the how the problems are presented, if I can put it that way. I mean, you're a psychologist. You remember doing therapy. You might see 10 people with a mood disorder. All of them were the same, and yet all of them were unique, too. Yeah, of course. Yeah. And and speaking of family-owned business, I was thinking back. My dad was a business owner. And, oh, uh, was he? I didn't know that. Yeah, and I worked for my dad uh, for one summer. <laughs> Oh, well, that's what happened. That explains it, uh, Rebecca. That uh, explains it right there. Yeah, yeah. and one once. Well, and <laughs> just I have, one summer. I should explain. I should explain. It was actually the summer before I went away to college. Uh, but but my dad, although he was a great businessman, uh, he was a hard boss. And was he? It was funny because we had he had probably uh, sixty employees. It was a metal fabricating company. And these guys would say to me, these guys have been, you know, working 30, 40 years, union guys, hey, if I was the old man's son, I'd just be popping wheelies on the forklift and taking three-hour lunch breaks. And just the opposite was true because I was the boss's son. Yeah. I had to be yeah. there first yeah. and stay last and be yeah. the hardest working guy. Yeah. And if I didn't, I'd hear from dear old dad. So, But I never did follow up in, in the family business. Uh, and my dad eventually sold that business. Um, but it was good. It was a good experience. I mean, yeah. learning to, to work under your dad uh, it taught me discipline. It taught me uh, fear. Uh, <laughs> well, you know, learning hard work is a gift. Yeah. Learning sure. how to work hard is a gift because work is a gift from God. Right. Right. And so if it's your old man that teaches you that or the Marines or whoever it is that's going to teach you how to work hard, uh, you know, that's something that is actually a good thing for there, us. There are actually Marine drill sergeants that are easier than my they're, – they're puppy dogs compared to my dad. <laughs> so, Bill, how do you feel about your dad? Uh, Tell me how I you feel. love my dad. my dad. My dad was great. Okay, so in your uh, work as a new CEO, interim CEO right now, I know a while back, uh, I think it was Harvard Business Review, published this article, and it was – the title was Seven Surprises – for new CEOs, I'm guessing that not only CEOs, but also pastors and ministry leaders experience some of these surprises when they take over a new position. So tell us, uh, what are some of those surprises? Yeah, and, and I'll get to them in just a moment. Just to make one caveat, uh, most of us are not pastors and CEOs and all the rest. So this what, what we're going to talk about this morning will apply if you're uh, leading a new team, if you're leading a new department, if you're leading a new project. 
Oh, or a division. Or a church committee. Or a church committee, yeah. even, which actually, <laughs> when you're working with all volunteers, a lot of these things really come true. So uh, this has a wider applicability. See, I'm still getting up, too, yeah. um, than, than what the article says. But this was an article back from October of 2004 in HBR. And they said the first thing, the first surprise that, that CEOs face when they become CEOs, because usually they're coming either from a COO position or a CFO or one of the other C-suites, um, <clears throat> what they find is that you can't run the company. That's the first surprise. And what they mean by that is that because now you're the CEO, you have such a different set of responsibilities. And I, I group these responsibilities under the public ambassador role. You have to get out and talk to uh, a number of people, uh, politicians, for example. You have to give interviews on the media. Uh, you have to go visit with external groups and speak at community groups and things like that. You have to get out and meet your partners and your vendors and your customers. Now, one would think that if you were another member of the C-suite, the COO, CFO, CXO, CSO, C-whatever. One of them C-dudes. <clears throat> one yeah. of those C-dudes that you would have already been doing this. And you would have within your vertical of the company. But the CEO has such a broad shotgun approach uh, to who he or she needs to meet with. Uh, that that you really lose touch of what's going back at the office. And even though you're in charge, you're really not in charge. You really are not running the company. It's your management team that's running that company. So that was the first uh, big surprise there. Another is uh, giving orders is very oh, costly. Oh, man. Is it ever? <laughs> you have to really be careful about giving orders. And it doesn't really matter what size of a team it is. Uh, but I can imagine in your Fortune you know, 500 companies, those senior leaders are also pretty talented. And they're pretty headstrong, opinionated people. The people and, right under you. Yeah, the yeah. people right under you. So your, your, your senior VPs, your P's, and your C-suite people, uh, they're not slouches. They didn't get there because somebody just handed it to them. And so turning around and suddenly giving orders to those people is probably going to demoralize them. Uh, it will probably bring up what I would call a passive-aggressive response. They'll sit and look at you as the CEO and say, yeah, yeah, okay, I'll go do it. And then they just run off and do what they're going to do anyways. And you develop this uh, passive-aggressive uh, conflict. So you can't just turn around and give orders just because you're now the one in charge. Mm. Uh, another thing Harvard Business Review says, and again, this this could apply to, to pastors, to ministry leaders, to people in management positions, regardless of what level is, it's hard to know what's really going on, especially if you're at the top, because there's so many moving parts. There's lots of moving parts. Uh, one of my 67 undeniable truths of business ownership is that the day you hire your first person is the day you uh, cease knowing everything about your business. Uh. <laughs> so... Uh, yeah, you you. Uh, there's a lot of moving parts, and that's why you need really solid systems in place that will surface the right measurements on metrics that will indicate to you that there's a problem in this area or that this area is actually doing pretty well. And are those things that you need to implement yourselves that maybe you came into a business that was already functioning, they probably had their 
metrics. No, but... they didn't. Oh. <laughs> no, they didn't. So okay. we're, we're developing those All right. as part of our 2017 strategic plan. Okay, there you go. <laughs> Bill English is our guest this morning. You're learning more and more about family-owned businesses as we go along. Maybe you it's are a in... good business. It's yeah, a really yeah. good business. Maybe you're in one of those but yourself. Maybe you are in a family-owned business uh, or know somebody who has uh, encouraged them to to stick around for the next few minutes as Bill uh, unpacks this even deeper on the Faith Radio Network. Good morning, 18 past the hour. This is Faith Radio. It's Bill Meyer with Bill English from BibleandBusiness.com. Uh, Bill, as we mentioned, has uh, taken on this uh, role. He's a business consultant, but he's right now an interim CEO for um, a distribution company in the Twin Cities, a large family-owned company that he is uh, at the helm of right now. And we've been saying that as you t- when you take over in a leadership role, regardless of whether it's a CEO or maybe you're a manager of a department or maybe you're a pastor or uh, involved in some kind of maybe even volunteer leadership sure, position, sure. there are some things that you need to know uh, when all of a sudden you are thrust into that position, things that you might not expect, if you don't prepare for them or if you, you get caught off guard, they can really hurt the organization and end up hurting your effectiveness. Uh, another thing that you mentioned or that the article mentions, Bill, is you're always sending a message. Every word and action is noticed, yes. right? Yes. And you have to really be aware of that. By the way, for those who are just tuning in, we're talking about an article from Harvard Business Review published in October of 2004 called uh, The Seven Surprises for New CEOs. Yeah. Uh, surprise number four, you're always sending a message. What you say, what you do, how you say it, how you do what you do, it's all a message. People will notice uh, whether you are stopping by their cube to say good morning to them or not. Uh, they will notice if you get their names wrong. Uh, now, I'm not good with names, so I just I just tell people I'm not good with names, and then I let them call me whatever name they want to call me <laughs> as a way to make up for the Name tags, Bill. Yeah, I know. Uh, name tags. Uh, it's not going to work in this company. Uh, but, uh, you know, they watch what you do. Um, <clears throat> your heart, as a business owner or as a leader in any in any capacity, whatever is in your heart will be laid bare for everyone to see at some point in the future. Now, all the good, all the bad, all the ugly, it's all going to be there for people to see at some point in the future. So you need to remember that uh, whatever you're doing is a reflection on you. And really, as a leader, it's a reflection on your team or your organization. Mm. Uh, The overflow of your heart, which is a a scriptural principle right there. Luke 644. Yeah. Wow. I'm impressed. (laughs) This guy knows his Bible. Yes, you know, I know every verse in the Bible. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, so here's another one from Harvard Business Review. Again, all of us can apply this, uh, especially those at the top. Uh, you are not the boss. That's right. The board of, in, in our case, God is the ultimate boss, right? Correct. But yes. but in many situations, whether it's a, a company, whether it's a church, a uh, pastor's position, you got a, a board of directors. They're they're really your boss, and so if you don't remember that, you are going to be in deep 
doo-doo. Can well, I say that on the radio? You, yeah. you, well, it's, it's your show, you know. <laughs> so you do what you want here. Yes, but see, we also have a boss. <laughs> yes, well, and... Okay. We, we love Scratch you, Dick. that from the record. We All love right. you, Dick. We love right. you. <laughs> no, it's... Uh, look, uh, you're not the boss. We're never the boss. Uh, there's always an authority higher than you. If you're the leader of a company, you have a board of directors. If you're a board of directors, you have shareholders. If you're shareholders, you have God. So we always have... Uh, a boss, and you, and one of the pitfalls of becoming going into a new leadership position is thinking that it's now all about you, and that you have all the power, and that you can do whatever you want because there's nobody above you. That is a wrong way to think. You have to remember that you're always serving the board of directors, and in my case, I'm serving this family, and uh, I serve at their pleasure, and that's literally I serve at their pleasure. When they don't want me anymore, I'm out. Mm. So uh, that really does temper how I uh, utilize the authority that has been invested in me. Uh, Something else, and this, I guess, would apply to publicly owned companies in particular, but uh, pleasing shareholders isn't the goal. you got to balance the interest of of other people, your customers, your employees, your your vendors, even your community. Yes. In in the mid-'80s, there was a book that came out, I forget the name of it, that postulated – that the main goal of the of a corporation was to create wealth for the shareholders. That pendulum is now swinging back, and and what the pendulum is saying is, no, you have a, a shared responsibility to your uh, not only to your shareholders but to your customers, your employees, your partners, your vendors, your community, and to a lesser extent to your own interests as the as the leader of the organization. I think uh, once you're leading that organization, you often have to balance competing demands between some of these groups. For instance, some of the community groups may want you to do one thing, but the shareholders will want you to do something exactly the opposite. So you are, as the leader of the organization, you're going to be put in a number of no-win situations. Uh, Remember, in any organization, the toughest decisions always bubble up to the top, and most of those tough decisions uh, involve some kind of no-win situations, or they're 60-40 decisions or 45-55 decisions where there's not really a clear win, and you just have to be ready to uh, be comfortable managing those kinds of decisions and situations. Mm -hmm. Okay, the final one uh, in this uh, great article from Harvard Business Review You are still only human. You are not a superhero. Yes, thank you. And and thank you for reminding me today (laughs) that I am not a superhero. Uh, But that's so true. Just because we have a position of authority or power or uh, leadership does not mean that we are somehow a different person than we were before we had that. So let's, especially as Christians, whenever we assume a position of authority or leadership, let's enter that with humility Let's enter that with a sense that that God has entrusted to us something that not a lot of people get a chance to be entrusted with, and that's leading an organization and or a team or a project or a process or whatever it is. So uh, let's, let's take the seriousness of that entrustment and see what we can do to honor the Lord in a way that he gets the glory for what we did and not us. Mm-hmm. And, I, and, and to me, uh, just remembering that I'm human and <clears throat> that in 30 years I'll be dead and none of this will matter uh, is really uh, a great way to approach my work every day. Thank you, Mr. Optimist. That's yes, just... you know, that's... <laughs> Yes, and for more optimistic training, call. (laughs) Bill English from BibleAndBusiness.com. Thanks so much, Bill, for coming in this morning. We appreciate you. you. Take care.